Coming up, as the roster moves get made immediately to get down to that 4 p.m. 85-man roster deadline, we take a look at some of those adjustments to Big Blue. And then also, it's never too early to start having that discussion around the 53-man battle. A handful of choices can have wide-ranging impact as we take a look at a couple of scenarios. Next. Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your hosts over here. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. And yonder there, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, the seasoned generational ticket holder, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? You know, I'm not doing great this morning, Adam, because huh? I'm, on a, I'm on a group text with five of my uh, you know childhood friends, childhood buddies. And it just so happens that all, all four of them, you know, me, myself uh, as the fifth, are all on vacation this week, all sending me pictures of the beach, drinking early, hanging out, watching the sunrise. And here I am working away with you talking about roster cuts and projections for the 85 man roster. Listen, uh, I'm not going to be too envious or I'm not going to feel too bad for you. I should say, because you were just vacationing several times over the last several weeks, little, little stops down to the beach, visiting the grandparents, splashing in the water. So, uh, yeah, sorry, pal. Good for good for all four of them for sending you all of their great photos. I mean, it, it's it's coming back to roost now. All the things that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks are now coming back when they're they're sending me the ice cold ones on a on a beautiful day at the beach. So you better believe it, man. Well, that being the case, since you're here, we might as well talk about the New York Football Giants. We might as well talk about uh, the first wave of cutdowns had to come down to 85 by 4 p.m. today. Giants took care of that work early and often, and there was a couple of moves that happened in succession. So. First, just to do the house cleaning, Jeremiah Hall, Heslop, and Prohl out for the New York football giants. Now that gets them down to 85 because they popped up just for a second to 88 when they brought in a practice squad player, formerly of the Buffalo Bills. We got the little rundown here just to take a look at this young man, if I can work my graphics according to scale. There we go, sir. It was, of course, Elijah Griffin, who came out of USC. Just what are your quick takeaways as we see fluid with athleticism, six foot 175. A lot of people already compare just kind of the measurables to a Cordell Flott type of player, which seems to now be folding into the mold of what the Giants want under Wink Martindale in that secondary. Does this move the needle for you at all? Do you have any intrigue around this player? Uh, well, you're burying the lead because Elijah Griffin is Warren G's son. Like uh, that is yes. something that just needs to be thrown out there. So you've got to think that Elijah Griffin and young Joka are going to get along mighty well talking about some of the, some of the different uh, things in the rap game. So, sure. you know, obviously went to USC, you know, from a, from a high profile family. Um, the interesting thing to me is he's another player that has ties to Joe Shane and Brian Dable and the bills from last year. One undrafted was signed by the Bills. Uh, I think he was primarily on the practice squad. I don't think yeah. he got any any real action. Um, but he's another guy that they have had extended looks at in terms of seeing him, um, you know, against some of the ones and twos in, in, in the practice squad. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued because the Giants lack a lot of depth at the cornerback position. Obviously, Rodarius Williams has been hurt. No more James Bradbury. 
uh, and especially after the week week one of preseason of Aaron Robinson, it feels like the Giants need to try anything and everything to bring in reinforcements early on in camp. Yeah, and I mean, to me, and we talk about how as the offseason rolls on, you'll see some more high-profile cuts potentially come, and we'll see how that affects it. But if you're the Bills and you have this familiarity with this player, and I can't remember the young cornerback that the Bills drafted this past season. That's really what they said. Hey, drafted a young cornerback. That means that we can jettison another one, and that's how the Giants end up having the opportunity. It's like, hey, we, we know this kid. He's a young player. We liked him enough, Joe Shane. Like, I liked him enough to have, have him be a part of the practice squad and in the mix. So you bring him in. He'll be able to get reps. and. Listen, he's a year ahead of the curve on some of the other guys like Darren Evans, right? So you could look at them and say, maybe if we're fleshing this thing through, it's just affirmation, confirmation of what we think we have in the players we have on our roster, and we'll see what it does for him. But bottom line being, he rounds out the official 85-man roster. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting because other teams are are having to get under the 85 uh, number by 4 p.m. Eastern time today on on Tuesday. And so there's going to be other players that that are going to be released. And also... You know, we still have to go from 85 down to 53, not only yeah. for the Giants, but every other team across the league. And as we know, the Giants haven't had as much depth as other teams in the league. You know, when players have gone down, it's looked really tough for the Giants. So it's going to be interesting how the back end of the Giants roster looks because there could be some different changes based on who gets released around the league. I know around the second or third preseason game is when a lot, we'll see a lot more transactions happen. And maybe, you know, other players, uh, not just Elijah Griffin, are going to be on the Giants radar, you know, soon enough. Yeah, for sure. So um, just quickly here, Emery Hunt, who uh, runs football game plan. He also works for CBS Sports HQ. He came out immediately. It was like, here you go, Giants fans, and gave the breakdown on Elijah. So just want to make sure we get credit where credit is due for that. And to your point, we talk about the 53-man battle. And in some ways, listen, we know uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are next up. We could come in here and we could talk about how the offense keeps looking bad and have those kind of conversations. Or we could have an interesting discussion Um, that really from a couple of different angles, our own included, but Dan Dugan came out and he openly said it on Twitter. Hey, it's not easy to try to make this projection here in this moment, but here's my first real crack at the 53 man roster. Uh, Likewise, Daryl Slater also came out with his version of it. And I think it kind of has like the, the in-depth right in front of the New York football giants view from Dan Dugan. And then maybe a little bit from the outside when it comes to Slater saying, if I was a little more bird's eye view, um, interesting to see if, um, if that comes to fruition, by the way, as we dive in on this roster and just start to get some of our first thoughts, walking through it, 53 man is going to be coming down the pike 4 PM, August 30th. So it may feel like it's, you know, when you, when you hear 85 guys, you're like, gee, 85 guys, you know, we're talking about 32 players. I mean, how could we even possibly less than two weeks away, friends? I mean, well, on the nose, two weeks away to making that decision. Well, and you're already going to see that this is a very fluid situation by one of the guys that one of uh, the, the beat writers has making the roster was just released in Jeremiah Hall. So like they're, <laughs> right, they're, right. They're, this will be continually moving. I suspect that there'll be multiple iterations of this, especially with good players from other teams getting released. But I think what this will do, if nothing else, Adam, will give you an indication of what are the actual roster spots that are uh, that are up for grabs. Like who yep. has the ability to take them? Because I think one thing that people d- kind of forget about, when we talk about the 53-man roster, Adam, there are already kind of a handful of positions that are already locked in place, right? We know there's going to be a certain amount of linemen that have to be taken. We know there's a certain amount of linebackers that have to be taken, which means that there's probably only going to be a handful of spots which end up impacting about 10, maybe 12 different players on who can eventually make this roster. 
Yeah, and that's you say like quarterback always two, sometimes three, right? Wide receiver, you know, as six, you know, in that range. Offensive lineman, it's always upwards close to ten, something in that range. So as you start to add it up, you go, oh, well, I've already gotten to you know 42, 43, 44 guys. So the last handful really becomes speculative around where you feel more bullish. But as we talk about these comparative charts here, obviously right off the top. Uh, the quarterback position looks like Daniel Jones is going to make it by the skin of his teeth. Uh, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor. Those are the obvious ones. Dan Dugan said, you know, a good faith gesture when Davis Webb said he wasn't ready to retire and become the QB coach for the Buffalo Bills. He thinks that he'll make the roster for the Giants, whereas Slater has him going by the wayside, understandably. And it's just kind of a it's we'll, we'll touch back to this when we look at it at, at the back end here. But do, do you think how how much of a good faith? How much loyalty do you think that Joe Shane and Brian Dable will show to Davis Webb, a guy who probably would say, listen, man, if you want to shuffle through the roster and cuts come up, that's fine, but I don't want to be on the practice squad come Sundays. Like, I want to be on the sideline with the 53-man. Well, this is a tough one because obviously there's some loyalty. He, he well, It's been reported that he got offered the quarterback's coach position with the Buffalo Bills yeah. and decided to pass that up to go with Joe Shane and Brian Dable, so it shows the, the lack of trust uh, that they have in each other. What I will say is, you know, with all of the injuries that seem to be, ha- you know, happening to the Giants across this entire roster, having a third string quarterback just because you kind of gave him the wink nod that he should be there might be a detriment to the rest of the roster when we know we're going to need depth at other areas. So for me, I, I, I unless it, there was an explicit like you will be on this roster as a slash quarterbacks coach the entire season. I think the roster spot has to go other places. It'd be interesting, man. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly say there's far more fun conversations here, but Daniel Jones has an injury history. And if you have a concern there and Tyrod Taylor's the backup, you know, then, then you know you're going to need that second quarterback to be available for you. I wonder how much that plays in. Running back room, Dan Dugan throws out the obvious ones. Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida. I'm going to say those are the obvious ones, but he goes with Antonio Williams. Sorry, Gary Brightwell, Antonio Williams. So he carries four, and uh, Jay Sean Corbin and Sandro Plascom are being the guys that are on the outs. I think, as he says, you know, Corbin, good opportunity to probably make it through to the practice squad if that's the route that you want to go. But there's a little bit of, this one's interesting to me because I think there's a little bit of like risk here around what you choose to do and who chooses to stay or go. Yeah, so Slater only has three running backs making the roster, Barkley, Breida, and Gary Brightwell. I find that interesting that he only has three because Gary Brightwell will primarily be a special teams type of guy, can be that change of pace guy as he's shown so far in the preseason. We know the injury history that Saquon Barkley has had. Matt Breida has been dinged up with injuries as well. And it seems like Antonio Williams is another guy that was on the practice squad in Buffalo, has come over and followed Joe Shane and and Dayball, Looked really, really good in the first preseason game. You know, we love Jay Sean Corbin as a podcast. I, I know Adam feels the same way that I do. It does feel like it's an uphill climb for him to make it, just knowing that Antonio Williams has been running hard and Gary Brightwell looks good and, and contributes on special teams. I'd be surprised if the Giants only take three running backs into week one. So here's where I would lean more towards Dan and his insights saying Antonio Williams will probably make it. And my guess is Jay Sean Corbin makes it to the practice squad. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the special teamer aspect. That's a, that's a thread for all these guys. When we talk about depth pieces for Gary Brightwell. So if you're a special teams contributor, that's the great way to secure your roster spot. I'll, I'll be fascinated to see, man. Corbin, you know, I'm sure it's not on a lot of people's radars per se, but if he gets cut, you know, I, I'd be, it'd be interesting. Interesting if any team 
a team in the similar kind of boat of like, hey, we're throwing stuff at the wall this year. If he if he maybe got a flyer from another roster and how much the Giants are willing to risk on that again. Nobody they would ever, but they did guarantee him some money uh, in the post-draft signing. Into the wide receiver group then. How many you got over there on Slater's list? Uh, in the wide receiver room, we have six, Adam. All right, so we're, we're right on the same page there. Kenny Galladay, we know. Listen, has Andy... <laughs> yeah, I always love it when you go, he's got, you know, He's the twenty million dollars. I know receiver. you love you love when <laughs> I say that, and I have to say it every time because I know how it makes you cringe. It's almost the the new phrase for this season. Last year it was Pro Bowler Evan Ingram, which really just made you super excited to hear. Yes. This year it's twenty million dollar man Kenny Galladay. Like I feel like it conjures man. conjures up the same things. But the big difference in the, in the two lists, Adam, is that uh, Daryl Slater actually has Sterling Shepard starting on the pup list, which sure. creates an extra roster spot. And so, you know, for those six, he's got Kenny Galladay, CJ Board, Wandell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, um, the early darling of, of the preseason right now, Colin Johnson, and Richie James making the last roster spot. Yeah, so it's interesting because the one that they both agree on is that Darius Slayton won't be a part of this roster going forward. Worth noting that people have kind of said, and I, I saw Art Stapleton, and I, I think justifiably, he said, I thought that I don't like Colin Johnson, but we may just want to pump the brakes on like where this where this whole hype train is going here. But he also mentioned that if you're talking about a safe, I said this about Darius Slayton, right? If he's on the roster, I think that he's your safety valve for Kenny Galladay inevitably not getting to whatever form we think he's going to get to. $7 million, $8 million, whatever type of man we think he's going to be. Whereas now, if you think Colin Johnson is emerging into that role, as Dan Dugan outlines, having Darius Slayton out there with first team reps for the pre first preseason game seems like the showcase, right? Hey, you know, what we'd love to do is have you hit him quick on an outside route where he scoots for 15, 20 yards and other teams maybe come to the table with whatever it may look like. You get the 2.5 off the books and you effectively open up that roster spot. When we talk about who's going to make it, um, all the guys listed here, by the way, as you mentioned, Austin Prohl was already cut. He's in the out list on both of these as well, but Dan Dugan had Richie James not making it because he has Sterling Shepard on the opening day roster, which by the way, speculation abounds from even from Brian Dable that Sterling Shepard might be, might be ready for week one of this season. If that were the case where you have that pup list, what would you do? Would it be Richie James would be your man out? Would you go with Colin Johnson in order to make room for Sterling Shepard? Well, if, if they both agree that Darius Slayton isn't there, then would you, you take yourself up? Oh, you came through. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, what what I was saying was if you if they both agree that Darius Slayton is not going to be on this roster, then you do have to have someone like Colin Johnson who has that same type of size that Kenny Galladay does in case uh, Kenny Galladay gets hurt, which he has every single year the last three or four years. So that really puts Richie James in a tough spot because there really isn't that much room at the end. That That's why I, while I think Dan has the pulse of, of whether or not Sterling Shepard's going to be ready for week one. I almost like the approach of Daryl Slater's where it's like, hey, Sterling, why don't we ease you into this? You go on the pup list. You miss the first four weeks. Then we can keep Richie James on this roster. But it may not be feasible because if Sterling Shepard says, I'm healthy, the doctors say he's healthy and he's ready to play, Sterling Shepard is making this roster. Well, and by the way, yeah, yes, yeah, 100%. And by the way, it's like, wh what is the perspective internally about if we can trade Darius Slayton, we're going to move off of it. But if we can't trade him and get some type of any low-level capital back, while we know we can clear $2.5 unless push comes to shove, 
it's just as well to keep him around in the short term. And maybe that cut comes down the line. Like there's so many mechanics working there. This the one thing I will say is they both agreed on CJ board. We all agree about the special teams component of this um, first preseason game. Special teams didn't look good <laughs> for whatever that's worth. And it's just, it's interesting. I would be inclined to say if push came to shove Richie James, we know that he has some special teams value as a returner, not necessarily as, not necessarily as a gunner, but we're going to talk about other guys who have some of that talent as well. CJ board is a guy that I get it, but $0 guaranteed. I'm keeping my eye on him for sure. Tight end room. Uh, Jeremiah Hole already gone. As we mentioned, Dan Dugan tried to stash him as a tight end, as opposed to a fullback. I don't see, we don't see the giants carrying a fullback into the season. So effectively it would be Bellinger and Merrick for Dan Dugan within this third spot opened up one that Slater gives to the veteran Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, Jordan Akins really hasn't, we haven't really seen much of him. Andre Miller came down with the arm injury. He's in a cast right now. So, you know, while he was looking good at his transition from becoming a wide receiver to a tight end, doesn't seem really possible. Although they haven't put him on season ending IR. So maybe they put him on the pup list to start the year, give him four weeks to see if his arm starts coming back. He's a guy, a guy to watch, but really it seems to come down to, Ricky Seals Jones versus Austin Allen is is what we have, unless another team has a cut of a veteran tight end that they want to bring in. But I mean, do you lean one way or the other? Do you feel like there has to be a veteran tight end in the room, or are you saying let's just go with youth and throw caution to the wind here? I mean, at a certain point, let's you know, carry it over from the wide receiver group, right? Primarily young guys, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, Colin Johnson, at least from an experience standpoint. Like you're throwing out a lot of young names. Kenny Galladay can't go anywhere at this moment. I, I don't know if I care about having the veteran experience. And I like Ricky Seals Jones. Like I'm a fan of his, but as you work your way through camp and he keeps not showing up, Austin Allen had a catch going back to the preseason game. I'm sure he's going to get more opportunities here coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. If he looks like he can do it, then you do it right. If you think that you have the type of complimentary piece in him, why not go with them? I, I do wonder if, if Merrick with, also Austin Allen and then Bellinger, if you have a little bit of kind of like redundancy in the style of tight end, whereas Ricky Seals Jones would be, he was a receiver in college converted to tight end, right? So that type of flexibility that you maybe were looking for in Andre Miller, someone who isn't going to be available, at least we think going through the summer. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be uh, my, my firm belief on this is that there is going to be a cut by another team of a veteran tight end that they don't need anymore because they want to go with youth or, or experience and they already have another veteran on the roster. This but one, one that's me, one that's better than Ricky Seals Jones, you think? Like yes. that's that's what we're asking, right? It's like, is it better than Ricky Seals Jones? And well, is it at a price point that the Giants can afford? Well, if he gets, uh, it depends on whether he can get, be claimed uh, on waivers or if he's too much of a veteran where he can be signed outright. All I know is we haven't seen Ricky Seals Jones at all because he's been hurt. And so for yeah. me, it's like if someone's showing promise, but they're like, hey, listen, the young guy that we drafted is going to get a little bit more playing time. We can't hold you on the roster and he's available. This to me is my one bold claim, Adam, is that of all of the positions that the Giants have, I am most confident that they will look uh, you know, before the final 53-man cutdown to address this position. And I think they're going to find someone that's currently on someone else's roster to, to, to take the third tight end spot. That'll be interesting. Yeah. And keep an eye on it. It doesn't matter to me. We all know Daniel Bellinger. We're, we're really big fans of his. We want to see him do well. Everything after that is kind of, you know, hey, fill it out as you see fit. But I hope that the young guys do well. Brian Dable said, you show it in the film, you show it on the field. That's going to get you more opportunity. So best availability is best ability is availability. That's how the saying goes. Offensive line then. 
meat and potatoes, my friends. We all know that Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, and Evan Neal are automatically going to be in there. We know that Azudu is going to be in there. I think now seeing with some of the injury shuffles and how Bredesen has played in practice, he's going to be in there. That's up to six. Douglas is also listed in here in the mix. There, there's some discrepancies in between the two lists, and I think we would agree the same way. The one thing we know for sure is Slater has him carrying 10, Dugan 9, but the understanding is like everything after 7 is placeholder. Let's see what happens. Let's see what's out there on the market. Let's see how anybody else develops, and we're going to fill out the back end of this rotation. And, and there is the injury factor, too, about where is Shane Lemieux in this process and everything else. So there's a lot to to sort out here, Azudu also a part of that concern too, right? So this group is like littered with slight injury concerns, but I don't think that even if you need to stem the tide to start the year, necessarily the depth is on the roster currently. Yeah, I think I think that they're going to carry 10 offensive linemen because they do need the depth. Dan only has nine right now, which I guess both Gates and uh, and uh, Pert on the pup list, too. Yep. And Marcus McKee then is on IR after after going down with his injury. You know, right now, Daryl has uh, Max Garcia and Will Holden as the last two spots. But I think everyone agrees this is another area where the Giants are going to look to add some veteran, especially at the offensive tackle position, um, because it's hard to have a Zudu being both your swing guard and tackle like you can't be out there in two positions at once if if we get injuries during a game I really think this is another one that's going to be fluid and to your point Adam after about the seventh offensive lineman it's really anyone's guess on on who can you know claim those last couple of roster spots yeah the one thing I'll say here too is like when you think of as much as Azudu was playing at left guard and left tackle when he was getting the reps like I wouldn't be surprised if we're watching for it I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to create this idea. Same thing with Bredesen, who has some guard flexibility and center flexibility, right? And you heard Dable say, we want guys in multiple positions. I think he wants everybody not named a starter to have multiple position flexibility. So if the Zudu is left tackle and guard and Bredesen is guard and center, right? And then you figure out, lock in who feels like it, whether it's going to be a Jamil Douglas or it's going to be Max Garcia or someone else that has guard tackle on the right side flexibility. That way across eight guys to start, hey, we have our depth and the versatility. If you add in two more like that or even one more, maybe you can get away with nine if it's another guy that has multiple position opportunities. Small footnote, J.C. Treader, the center from uh, the Cleveland Browns, yes. is still out there and available. I will say with Feliciano being hurt, Shane Lemieux was supposed to back him up at the center position. We have a bunch of question marks at the center center spot, Adam. He's a guy that <clears throat> on the NFL top 100 list last year ranked 89th. So like he clearly is a guy that's a contributor. There's some different speculation as to why he hasn't, uh, you know, made a roster right now. You know, don't necessarily know what, what whether it's, it's warranted, but certainly a player of his caliber, depending on the price point. Talk about if Darius Slayton's gone, that's another two and a half million to put towards that. Man, would I, I, I mentioned it before, I would love to just put him at the center position and say, guess what, Feliciano, you're a backup center slash swing center guard, and that really solves a lot of the problems the Giants have right now. Oh, of course. And listen, Joel uh, Betonio from the Cleveland Browns played with Treader. He said, when you've got a guy that's top five, top 10 center in the league, and he's not on a roster, you know, and he's the NFLPA president, and maybe some of the owners don't appreciate what he brings to the table on certain topics when he's trying to protect player safety and things of that nature. He goes on to say, I don't know, it's all speculation, whatever, but that element is fascinating. 
The high level is north of $8 million was cleared for Cleveland when they let go of Treader. And uh, we said this before, I'm all for it. I just feel like once the once the opportunity starts to come for Treader to get on a roster, there's going to be a lot of teams. The Bucks have lost players. The Saints have lost players. Players, you know, the Giants financially may not be able to create it, but it could come down to who gets cut and what type of money we're looking at as we work our way to the defensive side. Yeah, I think I think we understand where the offensive line is and turning our attention over to the defensive line, as you mentioned, Adam, I think the first one is pretty easy. This feels like the most rock solid group of them all, and that would be the defensive line, right? It seems yeah. like both Dan and Daryl have five guys. They have the same five guys in DJ Davidson, Justin Ellis, Jalen Holmes, and our two main men, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, the easy ones are, I think, you know, putting in Jalen Holmes and then even Ellis and then DJ Davidson, who the Giants, I think, liked, obviously, coming out of the draft. It's a nice little core, Moa and Hinton. And then, you know, Ryder Anderson's a weird one because I don't know how they were looking to use him. He's been a little bit all over, at least in that first preseason game. Um, They seeming like it seems like they sort of like him, but it also feels like he's just a guy that isn't going to make the cut because as we roll over, not too much attention need be paid here. When we roll over into what we're looking at as the entire linebacking core, and we know there's inside edge rusher guys, outside and inside, obviously, players here. But this is where there's more intrigue and more interest and maybe more flexibility where you're trying to create the extra roster spot. Uh, 11 total for Slater, 10 for Dan Dugan. I mean, we know the obvious ones like Thibodeau, Ojolari, Ward, um, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause right there just for a second. Ellerson Smith, I guess I'm going to put in that group too. We know he's dealing with the injury. Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, Darian Beavers, and I'm going to say Micah McFadden, right? Those are the eight that feel like the automatics based on either where they were drafted or what their role is for this team. Where it becomes interesting, Andy, is O'Shane Eximenez, Quincy Roche, Timon Fox, Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, and Austin uh, Calitro, who had that interception in the first preseason game. Where 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 is Slater at on this, and do you like where Slater is at on this? So it's interesting because Slater is basically saying the time has come for Ocean Eximenez. There's too <laughs> right. many other guys that have passed him, and he has Quincy Roche making the roster. He also has Carter Coughlin making the roster as a backup inside linebacker behind Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez, and he feels the need to have to have Cam Brown there because of his value value on special teams which is a running theme of yep. all the guys at the back end of their position. If you have that versatility and, and stand out in special teams, you will make the roster more times than not. I, I tend to like what he's doing um, uh, in terms of Slater because I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm jaded on O'Shane Ximenez, but yeah. I just feel like seeing Quincy Roche, more of him, I want more of him. The only real real thing that I'm wondering is whether or not Ximenez, because edge rushers are just don't grow on trees, makes more sense than keeping someone like Carter Coughlin. Yeah, so the idea here being uh, Ocean Eximenez is in there and Ellerson Smith, as we said, dealing with an injury. So you're already talking about maybe want to have an extra body. Now, I personally, I like Quincy Roche. We liked him going back to last year. Dan Dugan does note, and I, I you can't ignore it. I wish that Ocean Eximenez, Eximenez's name was Lorenzo Carter because that's the guy that I hoped was able to make it back for the Giants here. Obviously, he was an outright free agent is that the new staff likes Ocean Eximenez. Like, unlike the previous regime, this new coaching staff seems to really like him and has him higher up the board than Quincy Roche, who as Giants fans, we saw be more productive. I'd like to find a way where both of them can afford to be on here, especially when you're talking about that edge rushing group. If you wanted to do that, though, then you're taking away someone else 
who the new regime seems pretty high on, Cam Brown. He plays as a gunner on special teams. Like, this is a dude that is a linebacker and also can't be stopped on punts, uh, on, on specifically on punts on special teams on the outside. So it's really hard to find it. The only way that I could see it is if for some reason Tay Crowder was falling out of favor and you create that extra spot. Well, Adam, but this but, is and, where... and, and, and I'm not saying that that's what they should be doing because Tay Crowder at the minimum has NFL starting experience. But this goes back to some of the other decisions made earlier in these 53-man depth charts. We talked about Davis Webb, whether or not he makes that roster. That sure. one roster spot could be used towards a linebacker. We talk about three or four running backs. That one spot could be used to get this uh, another linebacker in there if we need the depth. So it is tough. I do think, you know, in a vacuum, I believe Carter Coughlin is more replaceable than someone like O'Shea and Ximenez if it came down to one roster spot between yeah, the two yeah. of them. And, you know, a backup special teams linebacker as opposed to an edge rusher. I always give the, the nod to the edge rusher, but it's tough. I mean, this is why, you know, getting down to 53 is, is a difficult challenge. And as we turn into the secondary here in a second, also to the point, it's like, remember, Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, we, we associate them together, right? Because they came at the same time. And arguably, Carter Coughlin looked like he was the guy that had a real opportunity uh, underneath the previous regime. But we talk about special teams value. That's what quietly Cam Brown did for himself. And if you watch the game, going back to that preseason, um, they had a, it was a, a who's on, who's on the broadcast with Bob Papa? Good question. Oh, come on. Harry Carson. Jeez. I'll do oh. it myself. God, I'll do it myself, Andy. When he was talking about him, like he talked about really liking Cam Brown, all of the measurables, all the athleticism, but he needs time to develop from where you come from college, where it's just, hey, go do it to now really developing your skill set. So I think the new regime looks at him in that same vein. Special teams value now with long-term upside, as opposed to Carter Coughlin, who maybe has a pretty set ceiling in the secondary then. Sorry, Carson. Um, the secondary has it as, is this again, where we go 11 on Slater and 10, or are we both on 10 here? So we have 10 defensive backs for, uh, Daryl Slater. Okay. So the obvious ones are going to be Adoree Jackson, uh, Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, really looking good. Cordell Flott, the rookie. And then we turn over to Xavier McKinney, Jordan Love. We can safely assume even though injured Dane Belton, because it looks like his timeline is pretty good. I just threw out six to seven there because then the other conversations to me are Rodarius Williams, who gets listed on Dan Dugan's list. I think he's on Slater's as well, but then the, the safeties that are getting included here becomes a little bit interesting to me because I, I, I find that Dan Dugan has five safeties on the roster. Um, the secondary as a whole needs talent. And maybe that's just what this comes down to. Well, no. So what I think it comes down to is there's five defensive, there's five cornerbacks and five safeties right now on Daryl Slater's list. And you may say, well, that seems like a little too many um, safeties. I think what, what Daryl's trying to figure out and he even lists it is Corker has a good chance of making the roster because Belton is rehabbing his broken collarbone. I think the real question is whether Dame Belton is going to be ready for week one. If he is not, and you put him on the pup list, then that gives you another roster spot to be able to give to both Yusuf Corker and Andrew Adams, or be able to sign someone like Elijah Griffin, who, who just came on, onto the team. So I think a lot of this defensive back, the secondary is all dependent on whether Dame Belton is ready week one or week five. And that will kind of tinker the roster slightly. Well, and the interesting thing though, too, cause I'll say, I, I tend to agree with you, but Adams and Thompson are both special teams guys too. 
So that's a little bit where this gets funky because no matter what, if you think that both of them are going to be, I mean, you brought Adams back, you'd like, you assume it really what this comes down to is just like, is Yusuf Corker going to make the roster? Like that's a, let, let, let's, let's, let's just brass tax this thing. I think that Yusuf Corker getting the practice squad is totally fine for me. This again comes down to the idea of like risk of losing a player that you like. We said it about Corbin. We're saying it about Yusuf Corker because in the big picture, while I'm sitting here saying Xavier McKinney, Love, Adams, Thompson, Dane Belton, Okay, fast forward a year from now, you know, Andrew Adams, veteran, doesn't mean he's being back. Trenton Thompson doesn't mean he's coming back. And even Julian Love, right? Is there's going to be some question marks there. So you'd hate to lose a guy that you think has young talent just to satisfy what you need in the short term. And that's that's the big picture I want to, uh, to wrap this episode up on. Hopefully this I I, I hopefully we found this engaging because it really is interesting. I think when we beat around some of these names, and you and I probably have three or four guys that we might differ on who we prefer to keep. But what will you read? Or I'll tell you what I'll read into as these decisions get made. Special teams is clearly the threat here. And if you can be a special teams contributor, but the choices the giants make around youth versus experience, I think is going to be indicative around where they think they are going into the season, whether it's the tight end position and that third tight end, it does Austin Allen seem like he's earned it and you just give it to him and you go young. Same thing on the back end here. Does Yusuf Corker show you enough where, yeah, Thompson is talented or Andrew Adams. They're both talented. We'll take one for special teams value. And we're going to give Yusuf Corker the shot. That's what I find fascinating about what they do over the next two weeks. Well, so Adam, I, I will say at the end of the day, oh, three man battle, the end of the day. There, there's something that I realized. And, and what I realized Talk is that you, I am the only person on this podcast that cares about the special teams. I am the only one because there are still three more roster spots that are going to be taken by Giants. And those three roster spots are Graham Gano, Casey Kreider, oh. <laughs> and Jamie Gillen. Yeah. And so but yeah, those, but as they both say, those those but, things are already locked up, doesn't matter. But 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 again, those are the types of things where those three roster spots, spots are locked locked into spots. place. Yeah. Adam is only carrying fifty guys. I'm That's carrying right. a punter, a kicker, and a long snapper. So I mean a little you bit see different that in, in our viewpoint. Whale 60 yard field goals and place cornerback. Why don't you just get one I, of them? Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be easy? Just a, a, a dual oh, threat wow. guy. Um, true, but, but no, it's important just to, <laughs> to round that out. But those are again, yeah, three sure, spots. I guess mention them fine. Those are three spots that can't be moved. Nothing's going to be changed. They right. will be absorbing three of those 53 man roster spots. So that's why when you start thinking about what's available, like even those three can condense it to 50 spots. You know, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor can this is it two more spots. There are just guys that make this roster smaller and smaller. Where, as we said at the top of this, there are literally probably four, four roster spots up for grabs between about 10 different guys. And depending on how the Giants want to carry it, whether it's four running backs, as you mentioned, three quarterbacks or 11 linebackers is going to dictate, at, you know, who ends up making this roster at the end of the day. Wouldn't you? Uh, wouldn't you believe it? Dan Dugan went twenty-five players on offense, twenty-five on defense, and three on special teams. The son of a gun. He he cut those margins right down the line like a butter knife. I agree with you. It's going to be fascinating. Um, I think the the interesting thing to me is going to be: Do you push an extra body in the wide receiver room, an extra body in the running back room? Right, like those things to me are intriguing. And I think this balance: the offense has looked really bad or really inconsistent. Let's put it that way. It makes me think that you'll be asking the question, hey, Wink, how lean can you run, right? How 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 much value can you maximize out of these players? And that's where that special teams overlap will play a big factor as well. Hey, friends, you know what you do? You get over to YouTube and you subscribe to the channel because we're doing this thing every single day. And until next time, though, 
That's Andy Mackowitz with want, need, and nay. Demand the people know. As always, let's go big blue.